Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. This is your host, Rich Cardona. This is the place. This is the place if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a new entrepreneur, a seasoned entrepreneur who thinks they know everything, uh, this is where you come to get influencer and industry expert knowledge. Okay, that, and then from time to time, I will be doing my own episodes, self-narrated, kind of documenting the journey, things that are going on, things that I'm learning. Now, today's guest is Gary Vaynerchuk. This is going to be a long intro, so if you don't want a long intro, start fast forwarding now or just leave. Here's the deal. Gary Vaynerchuk is the reason I am an entrepreneur. Gary Vaynerchuk is the reason I quit my job at Amazon. Gary Vaynerchuk is the reason that I am self-aware. He's the reason for many things that have transcended in my life. And I have to tell you how it all came about. So I was working at Amazon. If you don't know any of my history, I'm a retired Marine. I spent 17 years in the Marine Corps, retired early, got an MBA that I thought I needed because I didn't think I was going to be marketable. And then I ended up going to that MBA, got me a job at Amazon uh, down in Austin, Texas. Uh, I knew on the very, very first day that I was fucked. I was like, this is so not for me. I can't explain it. And the details are irrelevant with the exception of one. I stayed way longer than I had to. And during the course of that time is when I discovered Gary. I was miserable. I was drinking. I was taking risks. I was doing a lot of things out of character. And then I came across him. I think I was just at home drinking old fashions on one of my nights off because I worked nights. So um, I was like, okay, well, let me enjoy a drink tonight. The baby's asleep and I don't know what. Came across one of his videos on Facebook. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird because I've actually never seen any really videos that much more of him on Facebook. But I saw a video and I'm like, this dude's a clown. Like this dude's a straight clown. Like who the hell is he? And the reason is number one, nothing was edited. It was incredibly raw. He was swearing, which for whatever reason I thought was just, I don't know, different. And although I, I was turned off almost instantly, I watched another video and then another and I was like, oh my God. I mean, I, I just started to be like, this dude knows what he's talking about. Now, I don't know if you watch TV or if you were ever a fan of this one show called The West Wing, which is one of my, I, I think probably the best written show ever, maybe. Well, it's certainly the best written show um, I think I've ever watched. And there's this episode where they have a flashback, you know, to where the president's kind of team was forming before he ran for president. And let's just say there's this guy, Josh, and he goes to see Sam and he's like, hey, Sam, Sam's miserable where he works. Josh goes to visit Sam, pulls him out of a meeting, an important meeting, and he goes, Sam, I'm going to see this guy up in, in New Hampshire, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think he's got something. And Sam's like, let me know if he's the truth. And he went and he saw him and he's like, oh my God, and came back and he told Sam like, this guy's a real deal. And then Sam quits his job. Well, basically the same thing happened with me paid a bunch of money to go to this real estate conference where I saw Gary was going to be the keynote. So I go, I am wearing a suit because I was like, I, I got to dress up for this thing. And I also decided I wanted to give Gary a squadron patch, which I do that now for anyone I have on the show in person. My squadron patch means everything to me because, you know, I lost a lot of friends uh, from that squadron and, and almost to the point where there's almost kind of this weird thing like our, our squadron might be cursed and I want to live my life to the fullest. And, and that was the only thing I could hold on to that was kind of real to me that that made me feel proud of what I had done and where I had been and and, you know, the, the purpose I had when I was serving. 
So I wanted to make sure I give that to him. So I paid for the VIP uh, to make sure I can meet him afterwards as well. I strategically positioned myself in order to be able to ask him a question. And I wanted to see if he was the real deal. I had to go for myself and see. He comes out, gives a great talk. I get to ask a question. I get to go give him my squadron patch and I, I go up on stage to give it to him and then we meet in the back. And I mean, we had a probably a 90 second interaction. I have a video of it on my phone. And I basically told him I'm miserable at Amazon, but I have a family, you know, I don't know what to do. I, I wanna start this kind of show where I interview veterans and all this stuff. And he, he just gave me advice like immediately. And he was just dialed in, looking at me, talking to me. And then we took a picture, gave a couple patches to DRock, uh, one for DRock and then one for Claude Silver, my friend. Uh, who is Gary's chief heart officer. And then that was it. So I started following Gary religiously. I started making content. I quit my job. I moved in with my in-laws into their basement. And I just decided like, fuck this, you know, fuck this. And I decided to take the leap, but you know what? And I don't advise this. I don't, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a plan at all. No plan, no nothing. I just wanted to kind of tap into my curiosities. And another way to put that is I, I just really became self-aware of what I wanted, what I didn't want. And I started kind of, it was just like a natural process of elimination. So I went to Claude Silver, uh, who was mentoring me essentially, the chief heart officer I just mentioned. And I went to make content for her. I went to meet her in person for the first time, ask if I could make content for her because she didn't have any content. And then she says she trusted me. I started making a little bit of content for her, even though I had no idea what I was doing. I, I know I wanted her story to get out there, or her knowledge to get out there, and then it turned into a business. Okay, so the next year, so things started to pick up. It was weird. I was like, holy shit, a business is happening. Next thing I know, I go, I see Gary at Vid Summit. Again, I strategically place myself uh, in front of a microphone. I talk to the, the guys who are passing it around uh, in advance, and I'm like, dude, I gotta be the guy who asked the first question. They were like super cool. I'd made friends with them. And then I got to tell Gary like, dude, you changed my life. Here's what happened. Here's what I'm doing. Now I made a donation to your charity because I wanted to make sure I added value to you in a way that wasn't uh, the typical way that people do. Uh, I'd love to get 10 minutes of your time in New York. He's like, let's do it. But before he said that, he and I'm gonna have to play this clip somewhere. He's like, you have no idea how fucking good that feels. You know, and he was just like, we just had this crazy like 10 to 15 minute interaction because of that. And it was weird because I felt like I was hogging all the time on the Q&A, but it was like this incredible interaction we had. So then that was that. Then I went and had the 10 minutes with him. A year later, I did the podcast with him. And then here we go again. I did it again. So four years after I met him and I considered my life completely changed, here we are again. And here's what I could tell you about him and uh, Andy Frisella is that these guys don't know how to not tell the truth. Everything about them is completely raw and real, and I am like a magnet to that because that's how I've always wanted to be, but I always just measured very carefully, like, should I be saying this or not? So life changed a lot, dramatically, and I just make it a point to make sure I get to interview him once a year, or once every year to 18 months, depending on what's going on in the world. And unfortunately, this one had to be remote, but I wanna tell you something about this podcast. I just approached it a completely different way. If you've listened to any of the other, other podcasts, they're very, very purposeful, and I wanna make sure that I am giving something. I am pulling something from the guest to make sure that you get it and you can use it. Well, look, I've spent a bunch of different times with Gary, and I've, and I've had non-formal times where we've talked as well, and 
I mean, even in the elevator at the building in New York, he happened to come in the elevator and we were talking. He's like, hey, how are things? I mean, it was crazy. So I've interacted with him like enough times where I felt like this is probably a better opportunity for me to ask questions for people I know he's impacted. So I reached out to a bunch of people I know who are close to me, who've been very, very deeply impacted by Gary. And I, and I got their questions. So I asked three questions and then I was like, you know what? I just want to see him smile and have fun. Now, this is strange from a podcasting host perspective because I'm supposed to serve you, but I wanted to serve him. And I don't know how to explain that to you in any other way, except when you meet someone and you are able to be in touch with someone who's changed your life, you just want to figure out a way to give back to them. So my way of giving back to him was taking a break from all the fucking questions he gets all the time and just talking about what I know he loves and what I grew up loving as well, which is wrestling. So we talk about wrestling for uh, probably 10 minutes. He's super animated about it. And I, you know, if I put any of the videos out, you'll see he's like, he's just like a fucking kid. And that's exactly what I wanted. Is that the best for you? Probably not, but I don't give a shit. And then I do get into personal branding and V friends and, and you know, what's going to happen when he owns the Jets. And then I thanked him. So this is very, a very non-standard podcast. But look, this is like a scenario where all I do is evaluate how him and, and Andy are people who have had profound impact on my mind, on my success, on the manner in which I deal with failure the manner in which I talk to myself, in the manner in which I set my goals, in the manner in which I spend money, in the manner in which I approach work-life balance, which is fuck that, I don't care about work-life balance. I give my family what I can, as much as I can, when I can, I give my work the same, and it's different for everybody. These people are not on a pedestal, and if you could tell by the interviews, I'm not nervous. When I'm with them, when I've been around them, I am exactly as I am, and they are exactly as I am. Despite their unbelievable success, I know at the end of the day, they're people. More importantly, I know they're really, really good people. And that is the other thing I'm magnetically attracted to, not just rawness and authenticity, but people who are just good, good, like where you don't have to suspect, where you don't doubt, where you just know that the intent is pure and it's real and they want you to win. And all that being said, 12 minute intro, sorry, but you had to know the background. So here it is, my interview with Gary Vaynerchuk from 2021. Here we go. Obviously the first thing I always say to you is thank you, man. This is literally four years ago, June 1st, is when I actually went to go see you in LA as a realtor conference and you were making fun of everyone for being in suits. And I was like, why am I wearing a suit? Like, I'm not even a realtor, but dude, from that moment on, uh, you've been completely and utterly responsible for the fire that has allowed me to become an entrepreneur, take the leap, move in with my in-laws, like all of it, and then just start a business. So I always, always have to start with, thank you. I've interviewed you a bunch of times, man, but here's the thing. You know what? I want to give back to you because... I know people who've been equally impacted and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get their questions and I'm going to ask a couple questions on Love their that. behalf. And I really want to do that for you. And I'm going to start with my friend, Heather Parody. Okay. Heather has had a podcast for three years. She's 500 episodes in and her question to you was, and also she wanted me to tell you, you are the person who convinced her she's not an entrepreneur. 
that she's a creative and she is so much happier that she knows that now. Good. But she's 500 episodes in and she's like, I'm not where I want to be. Can you ask, when am I just being stubborn and when is it actually time to pivot? At 500, it's time to pivot. And you know, that's not normally the Gary Vee answer. I always think everyone's too impatient. But 500 episodes, you know, again, there's extra questions here. Like, sometimes people have crazy ambitions that aren't realistic. So you don't know if, like, she might actually have good traction, but she wants to be Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But at 500, I've seen a lot of people get to 500, and it's crazy that they're still doing it because there is a pivot. But the pivot doesn't mean stop the podcast. The pivot means change the format of the podcast or start making a lot of content. Start making a lot of content for each episode of the podcast and put that on TikTok and Instagram as an awareness builder, right? So Rich, for you, for example, I've got such a big audience on TikTok, you maybe haven't started that to like get the awareness. You should chop the shit out of this episode and put out like 15 posts on TikTok because a lot of people are gonna see me in there for you and be like, oh, what's this? And then that, you know, so like the pivot isn't the stopping of, it's the, it may be the stopping of, maybe you're just not built for that format, but it's more likely change the way you do your podcast, change the way you post, produce, and build awareness for it. Got it. She does make a ton of TikTok content and does not podcast related though. It's completely different. Interesting. Next question. Rob Renz is a client of mine. He's an insurance agent, has his own agency. Total surfer, tatted up, shows up on camera exactly like that. And he was getting crushed by compliance for a long time. And then all of a sudden, his business exploded. Okay? We're talking insurance. He's like, I'm not wearing a polo. I'm doing my thing. His question was, how far does he continue to push the boundaries of like a really heavily regulated industry like that? You know, in, in the area, in the arena of new media, he's like, people are starting to catch on and kind of copy, but he's like, at what point do I kind of throttle back a little bit? Does he even need to? I don't think he needs to. I think he needs to be himself. You know, I think, you know, the idea of, first of all, the thing that really caught my attention is people are starting to copy. You know, you can't spend a second on that, Rich. Do you know how many versions of Gary Vee there are? <laughs> right. I, even your reaction makes me happy. I spend zero seconds on people that copy, rip me off, take my words verbatim and repackage. There's people that take my shit that I put out for free and repackage it and sell it. And none of that can stop you. And none of that should make you know, I'm worried that he is thinking about changing it up because people are starting to be more cash. He's, he's not winning because he's cash. There'll be a million cash people. He's winning because he's being authentic. So why would he throttle it back? I would argue he's probably holding back 10% from the throttle. And then that last 10% is where all the magic actually is. He's setting a trend though. It's funny because when we met, he was publications, billboards, and now he's done none of that. All LinkedIn, all everything. And he's just exploded. It's insane. Because, because the internet is a much bigger platform than the others. People underestimate how big the internet really is. Yeah. Next question is from Greg Brooks. He asked, when you're an entrepreneur and you're at that tipping point where you're like literally out of time, and I know you don't like to think people are ever out of time. I, I, I get all that. But he's like, at what point is the tipping point when you're like, I need to focus on generating revenue, period, point blank. However, there's all kinds of administrative shit that needs to happen. Like, You need to hire. He's trying to make too much money per year, which is hurting him and making him lose money per decade. Wow, that's simple. That's a good one, right? Yeah. <laughs> people that are solopreneurs or small teams 
are too slow to hire the next person or the first person because they want to have, they want to make 180K this year and by hiring somebody at 50, they're only going to make 130. The problem is by not hiring that person, they're going to make 180 this year and 192 next year instead of 130 this year and 214 the following year. And under-deliver probably. Correct. Make themselves vulnerable and most of all, make themselves unhappy. Yeah. Look, man, like I followed your advice unbelievably. Like I don't make shit and it goes into the business and it's nuts. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I'm just like, I just need to live within my means, like period, point blank, like no fancy, nothing, anything like that. So I love that. So look, dude, I'm going to switch because I want to have fun and I want to talk about some wrestling because a lot of people don't bring you on to talk about wrestling. So dude, top finishing move of all time. Let me give you some that are from my era. So the flying elbow for Macho Man is always going to be my favorite because he's my guy. But I think the shake, rattle, and roll from the Honky Tonk Man is crazy <laughs> underrated. I think that Hercules' full Nelson, first yes. Hercules Hernandez, and then Hercules, because they dropped the Hernandez part, is a crazy move. I think that the camel clutch is super underrated. True. Iron Sheik's camel clutch act... You know, like Hulk Hogan's leg drop doesn't hurt anyone. <laughs> Neither like, does a full Nelson. Come on, like, come on. No, a full Nelson, you can hurt somebody if you do it a little bit different. You know what? I, why I like Hercules? The full Nelson, if you keep it here, doesn't hurt. The full Nelson, if you hook it here and push them back this way, really hurts. Ah, true, 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 true. Um, the camel clutch really hurts. <laughs> so does Rick Martel's Boston Crab. Yes. So the Boston Crab, I think, really hurts. Um, and then you get into like, I mean, the razor's edge is nuts. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit later, like cra- that's a crazy powerful, but I, I would say Jake the Snake Roberts DDT. Yes, 100%. The, the shake, rattle, and roll. Do you know what that stands for? The DDT? Yeah. I don't actually. What does it stand for? Dynamic downward thrust. <laughs> that's epic. I should have known that. Those are the ones that stand out. Okay. Best entrance music. Um, demolition. Oh, here comes Demo- the axe. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Demolition or Legion of Doom? Demolition. Here comes <laughs> the axe. Here comes the smasher. <laughs> the demolition. A walking disaster. Like that was, that was insane. Again, I mean, this is all part of why I love them. Macho Man's dun 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 That was absurd. You know, Hogan's I'm a real American still touches me. It's insane, uh, you know, I know. I am a real... Um, um, yeah. That, those are the ones, but Demolition for me was big. I'm partial to Stone Cold, but yeah. like, that's like that, insane. You know, that smashing of the glass, that's an incredible entrance. It just comes out of nowhere. You get hyped. <sighs> I, I don't think anything from that epic Attitude Era, which brought on the other most iconics, the Rocks, the... the the Stone Colds. None of that will come up in my answers because there is this 1984 to 1988 era that just completely penetrates my soul that I always have to talk about. That's that's how I emailed your team. I was like, SummerSlam 1998 is <laughs> the subject line because the mega powers collide. And I was like, that was a big one. So I was going to stick to wrestling for a second. Who on earth if you were to wrestle, could you potentially be out of anyone that's ever been in the WWE or another? Probably only Steve Lombardi or Barry Horowitz or K9 <laughs> or Iron Mike Sharp. The guys who got beat up on Saturday. These are all Saturday morning. Remember when wrestling 
had the jobbers, the guys who just like lost every Saturday morning. Yes. Barry Horowitz was the guy that patted himself on the back. Uh, Iron Mike Stark had like this like leather thing on his hand. He'd be like, ah, they they were like the jobbers, like the guys that got beat up. And then later wrestling just became big headlines against each other. Yes. But the way they would build up a guy when WWF was in its prime in the eighties was they would beat the crap out of these four losing wrestlers constantly, like almost like the Washington generals to the Harlem Globetrotters. hundred percent. But the truth is none of them. There's not a guy who's ever gotten the squared circle in WWE <laughs> that I would beat in a wrestling match. Saturday night's main event used to be like oh, the biggest thing on earth for everything. me. It was so like, it was like a parade. It was unbelievable. All right. I got uh, one, a couple more wrestling questions and we're going to move on to some real shit. This is real, but Overrated, underrated. I love your overrated, underrated. Except until I saw mustard, I was like, "What the fuck is happening guy? right now, dude?" For I don't even know what it's for. But all right, Kurt Angle, overrated, underrated, underrated. Because he's like a legit wrestler. Because he's a legit wrestler. Because he carried a lot of fans for a long time. Because he lost in his final match with Grace at WrestleMania. I, I just like. I think he's a wrestler's wrestler. Did all the right things. He was hurt like all the time, like super, super, super hurt. Hurt all the time. I have a lot of respect for him. Underrated. Roddy Roddy Piper. Very underrated. I actually would tell you the reason I think Roddy Roddy Piper is very underrated is I don't think people actually understand how great of a job he did as a heel to really get people fired up for WrestleMania 1 when he kicked he kicked Cindy Lauper in the head. That would be like <laughs> kicking Taylor Swift in the head. In the square circle, yeah. like that, he he knew how to get people riled up, and he was part of the crossover. And he was Hulk Hogan's arch nemesis when wrestling crossed over to culture. And so he deserves a lot of credit for that. He also absolutely put on Bret the Hitman Hart. Yes, and and I think that's an underrated move because Rowdy didn't really love putting people on early in his career, but in his mature state, what he did putting over Bret Hart is a very big deal. I, I agree. How about Sting? You know, I was less of a WCW, you know, um, you know, guy, NWA guy. I never really fell in love with Sting. I would watch it a lot. I, I just, I liked Flair, the Four Horsemen. Yeah, oh yeah. Some of the bad guys there more, Arn Anderson, yeah, the four, yeah, exactly. The Von Erichs and all them, those were, they were yep. pretty good. I never loved Sting. The same way I never loved, I have Sting and the Ultimate Warrior in a very similar place where like a lot of people were infatuated with them. Maybe, believe it or not, the full mask might've, like the full makeup might've been an issue for me. You know what's crazy about that? I've never said, I've never used that before. I, I just came to realize, you know, they were a tag team as kids the Ultimate Warrior and Sting were tag team champions in a league called UWF, and they were known as the Blade Ru- Runners, I think. Blade, let me Google this on UWF. I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> Holy yeah, shit. the Blade. That's serious. Yeah, I've got real knowledge. Blade Runners <laughs> were a professional wrestling tag team that featured Steve Borden and Jim. Hunt. Yep, their their look back at the music. 1985, Sting and yeah, they were the Blade Runners. Yep, I nailed it. That was the first year I ever picked up a wrestling magazine. So I remember them as the Blade Runners when I was hardcore wrestling magazine guy because you couldn't really watch those matches. 
It's funny that I just made that connection. I never really got into either, and it's funny that their early success with, was with each other. All right, we are going to take a quick break. Now, you heard me ask Gary one of the questions, which was the tipping point of an entrepreneur, and he said, hire. Now, I had a COO. I didn't need a fucking COO, okay? And don't get me wrong, like, I'm not saying they weren't in that capacity, but like, we weren't big enough to actually need a C-suite anything, okay? I have a virtual assistant who is the most unbelievable hire, and it takes some time, but a virtual assistant is probably something you should look at as your first hire. Now, a virtual assistant is not managing your calendar, your emails, and all that. There are virtual assistants who are specific, who are very specifically trained in certain functions or have experience in certain functions that are going to benefit you. So I'm going to tell you about my sponsor who recently sponsored this podcast, and their name is Rocket Station. Rocket Station is where I found my virtual assistant, Ellie, who's off the charts, rock star, um, my COO, who I was mentioning, found a better opportunity and go be on your way and have fun. Cool. Well, guess what? Ellie has absorbed essentially all of her duties without issue. So if you want to start looking into VA, okay, and these are Philippines based, which means they're probably going to be at a rate of about $10 an hour landing page is going to be discovery.rocketstation.com, okay? Or you can email brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S at rocketstation.com and just inquire because this is literally what is the actual game changer in the business is having the help you need, the hours you need them, trained in what you need them to be trained in and just ready to freaking go. So make the hire, listen to what Gary said. It's not about how much you pay yourself. It's about how much you could serve others. And the only way you're gonna be able to serve others better is with the help you need. And you need good, reliable, affordable help. And that's what you're gonna get if you go to rocketstation.com. Back to the show. So you have my one life thing back there. I have your clouds and dirt. If I drank, I'd be drinking empathy wines. I mean... Branding, personal branding is, is what I do. And like last time we met, I kind of told you, I'm like, I make content uh, for CEOs, executives, and I try and just get them on film making micro content. There were people when you released V Friends that I was texting with who were like, I'm going into my savings account. I don't even know what this shit is, but I know Gary and I trust Gary. If anyone at this point is still reluctant in any way about the effect a personal brand can have, what would you say to them after what you've just accomplished or are accomplishing in the midst of this? That reputation has always been the singular most important asset to a human. I mean, this is old school shit. This is your grandfather's grandfather's grandfather would believe in what I talk about. Personal brand is a slang term for reputation. I built my reputation publicly, which is probably the swing on the term personal brand at scale over the last 15 years, and to your point, you know, and by the way, I don't know if you've been following what's going on on Crypto Slam. it's insane what's going on with BeFriends. I have people who probably spent more money than I would have wanted to, because I was very consistent in the beginning, I'm like, do not spend money you don't have, you know, because this is an investment for some, but it's a ticket to the conference for others, you know, but um, I mean, I'll just look at it right now, just to give people a context, somebody just bought a, let's see, 18 minutes ago, an, uh, an honest honeybee for 3.4 ETH. The person who bought it, bought Jesus. it for one ETH, 2.4 ETH time. You know, somebody just made $6,000 in two weeks. 
That's unbelievable. So I was watching a promo that I think D-Rock cut for it, and you were like, I was, I'm built for this. <laughs> and I got like chills. Like, there's a lot in that promo, but I'm like, I can't even explain to you the amount of conviction you said that with. And of course, you meant it. But like, how do you know when you're built for something that hasn't even yet arrived? Like, there's a lot of people who ideate and they might be like, shit, you know what? Like, I don't even know about this. I'm not smart enough about it yet. But you're like, chips are in. This is the next 25 years. How do you even get to that point mentally? Pattern recognition, self-awareness. You know, I know who I am. I know what I'm about. I know what I'm good at. I'm 45 now, so I'm not a kid. I've had as long of a professional career as I've had a pre-professional career. And I know who I am. And I just really know what I'm good at. And it was so obvious to me that I just said it twice to you, right? It was so nice I had to say it twice. If I was a rest, if I was a wrestler, that's what I'd say. <laughs> and I just, um, I listen. You you follow me very closely. I've talked at nausea about buying intellectual property, refurbishing old brands. NFTs gave me a chance to stand up brands to create IP instead of buying it. If you look carefully at the of it, it's all just Gary V talking in character form. All that V friends is empathy. Empathy elephant is just me. You know, accountable anteater is me. Accountable ant is me, right? Like, you know, that's authentic anaconda, right? Those are things I believe in. Like, you know, forgiving horned frog. You know, like, that's huge. Forgiveness is power. These are all the things that I want to push on. Humble hum, hummingbird. Like, I've, and listen, it's fun that you brought it up. Vince McMahon, Walt Disney, like, Gary V from this day on is probably going to over the next decade take more of a back seat. I'm going to become more Vince McMahon than right now I'm Hulk Hogan. But over the next decade, V Friends is going to allow me to be Vince McMahon and let Patient Panda and Empathy Elephant become Hulk Hogan. Stephanie McMahon and Triple H essentially like the way they came in. Yeah, I want to be behind I want to be behind the scenes with a little bit on the scenes and you know, I don't have to Gary V it as much over the next decade. It's going to be V friends doing the work for me on what I want for humanity. I've never, I never thought I'd hear you say something like that. Well, you know, that's because, that's because I think a lot of people don't realize that Gary V for me is a vehicle because I, I know it's a vehicle that will work. But don't forget, I was 30 years old before I made a video. I never wanted to be famous or known or I don't have a need for that. I don't mind it. I enjoy people. So it makes it very easy but I'm a businessman, not a celebrity. And so Gary Vee was a necessity because it was the vehicle that I saw was obvious to build leverage for my businesses. But it's not necessarily what I need or want. When you end up owning the Jets, is there any way that you can fail? Probably not. Why? I just think it's too obvious to me why the Lakers and the Patriots and the Yankees did well. That's why. Because it's fucking crystal clear. I just think I know what it takes to be an, I think I am a human being that knows how to build a championship sports organization. And a media company. <laughs> and anything I touch, right? Like, like my things work because they're all the same game, which is, it's about people. It's about giving. It's about seeing the power in, again, why this you know, why this project's so exciting to me, right? When I look at, I'm just clicking around on it, rational rattlesnake, right? Or respectful raccoon, or reliable rat, or, you know, any of these things, they're just, you know, 
logical lion, right? Like loyal lobster. These are all the things that take to build a sports organization. Not cynical, not impatient, not, there's all these words exist. Well, let me ask you this then. I've been thinking about this. Uh, I mean, I hardly prepared for this because I'm like, I just want to talk to Gary, man. So thinking today, when you look at college football and then you look at the NFL, like there's a difference, right? There's money, there's personalities, and there's all that. You might have dudes who don't give a shit about winning a championship. And they're happy that their family's going to be taken care of, that they could buy their mom a house, all that stuff. What happens when those guys are in your locker room? I want that for them too. I don't want them to do anything but do what's right for them. However, because I'm on the other side of this with Vayner Sports, so I know it to be very true, which is why it's been a good testing ground for me. When we interview kids, especially for our first two-round picks, I'm going to want to know that they're the kind of kid that loves to compete. Like that they want to win in a video game more than breathing. That they cried when they lost in Little League. Like being competitive is a competitive advantage. (laughs) So I don't need a man... And maybe, you know, by the way, I've been looking at a female, a women's sports team recently. So I don't, you know, I may have some destiny in that world. I don't need a man or woman to be anything that they're not. It's my job to draft and hire people that by nature are more into winning than they are into fame off the field. But I want them to have everything they want in addition to trying to win at all costs. That is legally and fair and possible. Do you feel like, and I just read this book by Tim Grover, is ridiculous, and I was thinking about you because he just talks about how winning is everything. It, it's just, it's insane how he talks about Michael and Kobe, and I was thinking about you, and I'm like, when, when you're going to be around some of these people, is there any chance that your grit and desire to win at all costs, and that your work ethic had you working 18-hour days, not taking a summer off, or anything like that for years upon years upon years? ends up being, you know, some of the expectations you expect of your players. Like, are you going to be that guy who's like, dude? I'm not. No, no, I'm not. Because I'll tell you why. When I stopped wanting to work 18-hour days and summers, I did. I think, you know, for me, I go the way I go because it's my hobby. Like, you have to love ball is what I would say, right? Like, it's my job to draft a kid out of Oregon or Nebraska or Miami or Temple who loves ball. It's not a kid's job to start loving ball because he now plays for me. So you see where I'm going, Rich? It's my my responsibility. I went and interviewed your friend Andy Frisella recently, and we spent a lot of great time talking, man. And one thing uh, we talked about was you, and I told him about the first time I ever sat down with you. I'm like, Gary's eyes were locked on me the entire fucking time. And I was like, this dude is one of the busiest dudes on the planet. He goes, he knew you knew that. He goes, he knew how you would feel getting all his attention. And he goes, everyone says the same thing about you. But the funny thing was, he says, but we fundamentally disagree on a couple of things. And it's a funny argument, but he loves his jet. He loves his cars and he loves all this other stuff. But I think we don't fundamentally agree. I think it's a nuance. I think he actually does. I don't think I've done a good enough job. I won't put this on Andy. I'll put it on myself. I love when people, like I know people who genuinely love a watch and they like love because they understand the craftsmanship you know i genuinely love sitting courtside at a basketball game it's very expensive yeah yeah i think that to andy's credit i don't think i've done a good enough job in clarifying my observation which is unfortunately i believe that a staggering percentage of people who 
cheat and manipulate or stay impatient or grind or treat people poorly so they can get a jet are using that jet or watch or car to close insecurities. They need those things to show people that they're successful. And so I think, I think Andy, because I know him a little bit, genuinely enjoy those things the way that I genuinely enjoy a $300 custom basketball jersey of a weird player that nobody should own a play- jersey of. But that to me is my flex. Like I'm a bigger fan than you. And so I think, I think he's right for him. And I think I'm, I believe, it's why I say it. I believe I'm right that there's too many people that buy things to use as a band-aid, as a cloth, as a costume to hide their insecurity. They need people to think they're successful. And that's why they buy those things and post it on social media. Yeah. You're, as you're saying this, I'm like, I haven't bought a new shirt or shorts in like fucking years since I've been doing this. <laughs> like it's, I just don't even think about that stuff. But I think to Andy's point, I think people should enjoy the fruits of their, like I would argue one of my weaknesses is my lack of desire to smell roses and I'm trying to be better at it. At the same token, I do think items. Why do you have a lack of smelling roses? Because I don't like the winning. I like the process. Tim Grover said winning will throw a party in your honor and stick you with the bill. Like, yeah, it's, it it's, just disappears. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's to me, it's also, you know, I secretly prefer to be booed. I prefer to be the underdog. I like that a lot of people who really know me didn't buy a single V friend. I love that, Rich. I support you like no one else. And I was like, I can't. Like, this doesn't even make sense for me right now. Right. And for me, anybody that has, when they were sitting at 0.5 Ethereum, aka 1200 bucks, two weeks ago, I'm like, how does anybody that has any ever benefited from me or knows me, how do they not see what I see? And sure enough, two weeks later, those same 0.5s are for Ethereum, you know, three and a half Ethereum, you're talking about a $10,000 profit on a thousand or 12 or $1,400 purchase in two weeks. You know, that excites me because I like sticking it to anybody who, you know, underestimated me. Because to your point, especially those who have benefited from years of me, for them to have any reservation that this was good for me and not for them is them continuing the journey of completely misunderstanding my mission. By the way, Rich, I'm not, trust me, when I tell you, first of all, this is what's so great about having my chemicals, I'm not actually miffed or mad or razzed by you. It's like the collective energy that drives me of underdog status. To be frank, it makes me sad. I wanted more people in my, you know how many people could really use taking 1300 bucks and turning into 10,000 real quick? Like to me, fuck me, I don't give a shit, I'm good. It was that I knew what was gonna happen, but I'm pumped because most of the people that did buy are my hardest core, blindest faith, and they're benefiting right now and I'm reading the Discord every second and like this is changing people's lives in a great way in the short term and I feel incredibly accomplished in that. I, I think one of the smartest things you did, not only with the Discord, but all the articles 137 PM put out on just educating people is something I haven't seen a lot going on in terms of NFT. So I thought you guys crushed that. But um, look, I'm, I'm always going to be uh, respectful of your time, but I, I need to just tell you, man, like you've changed my entire fucking life. People in my circle, you've done the same thing for all of us. And, and, you led me to a place I didn't know existed. I, 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 you know, I'm the Marine guy. 
I didn't know. I thought being a first generation American meant like just outperform your parents, just get a good job and that's it. Just work hard. That's it. Like I didn't know business, having a business was actually a thing. Yeah. I didn't know sacrificing like way after I thought I sacrificed in, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, of course I'm in deeper sacrifice than I've ever been in my life. And I'm the best I've ever been up here. And I just turned 40 last year. I love it. Well, first of all, you look 32. Second of all, it makes me happy. And third of all, I appreciate this. I promise you this, if you really knew me, and I think you may have to read on this because I know how much around you are. Those words fulfill me and is a bigger gift than ever buying a fucking beef. I don't give a fuck. So thank you for that. Thank you, Gary. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Look, if you're new to the show, you're going to be like, what was that? Maybe. Or maybe you were like, holy shit, some great takeaways. I mean, it's almost impossible not to have takeaways when Gary's on. But look, listen to some other episodes if you're uh, if you're new here. And if you've been here, uh, I hope that didn't throw you off in any way. But Gary, Gary came. Uh, he, he brought he brought it as he usually does. And he was just sincere, man. Like everything is an extension of how he is built. Who else do you know who kind of productizes positivity. I mean, it's insane. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Come back for more. Come back often. Subscribe if you haven't. And please leave a review. Share this with a friend. Leave a review. Share with a friend. Leave a review. Share with a friend because that's what helps this podcast continue to get ranked and reach other entrepreneurs or potential business owners like you. And if you're not in any of those categories, I bet you're still getting good information because a lot of people DM me on LinkedIn and Insta all the time being like, dude, I listened to this episode. That was ridiculous. Keep it going. Let's keep it moving. Thank you guys so much.